Hey everyone, and welcome back to Oh That Girl Reads. I'm your host, Bria, and a long time no see. Um, honestly, I'm just freeballing it today. I do have a little bit of... I have some topics that I do want to talk to you guys about. However, I will say I did not script anything. Me coming back to the podcast is kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. But I'm actually really excited and really happy to be here. Um, I haven't filmed anything or created anything for the podcast or for Oh That Girl Reads in such a long time. And honestly, it's just because it was really stressful for a bit. Um, if you didn't know, my little sister was in and out of the hospital for um, like two weeks straight. And, you know, I don't want to get into her like whole medical thing. But it just kind of made it really difficult for me to want to engage back in this space. Um, I was really excited because I had some amazing people lined up as guests on the podcast. But I think managing everything and I think um, just planning everything out and having to go through different schedules and things like that and, and making sure that everybody's okay and making sure that I'm formulating things correctly. I, I don't think I had the energy to do so. So it, I'm going to be solo dolo still for a while. Um, but hopefully those people who were gracious enough to even offer me their time will be gracious enough to offer it to me again. And hopefully I'll be in a place where I can really do um, an interview with them justice. But anyway, all that to say is that while I was gone, I feel like the internet has exploded in terms of like a new show is coming out, book adaptations. Like there's just like so much shit happening. But the one adaptation that I kind of want to talk about right now, it's very popular. You guys probably already know what it is, but it is the Queen Charlotte um, spinoff of Bridgerton. And me and Brooke watched it together, and I have to say, it's a toss-up for me. It's a toss-up between the second season of Bridgerton and Queen Charlotte in terms of which one I like more. I feel like Queen Charlotte definitely has like a darker tone to it. Just the way it's filmed, the subject matter, everything, it's, it's a little bit darker, but I, I still very much enjoyed it. I... Felt like I wish I had a little bit more history in terms of like the ton getting used to um, desegregating, I guess. And it, it almost kind of seemed like, I get it, they only have so many episodes. I think this Queen Charlotte was only about six episodes and they were all about an hour 15. Um, so I get that they didn't have like as much time they might have wanted in order to kind of delve deeper into um, the whole like race dynamic and everything. But I think they did a really sick job um, when it came to the romance between Queen Charlotte and George. But despite it like being a pretty exciting love story, um, it's not without its issues. <laughs> um, okay. So a little backstory. Um, I attempted to read Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series. And let me tell you, that shit's dry. <laughs> that shit's dry. Okay. Um, 
I know there's plenty of fans, but I don't know. It's something about Julia Quinn's writing style that just does not do it for me. And I tried, I tried so hard to get into it because I wanted to do a compare and contrast of Colin and Penelope's story. I think I might have to do that audiobook style and like listen to it because I, I, I kid you not, I cannot like sit through that with my eyeballs and, and do all that work to, you know, actually <laughs> read the book with my own two eyeballs. I'm gonna have to read the book with my ears because I can, the writing style is just kind of dry for me. It doesn't do it for me. That being said, you know, by now, you know that Queen Charlotte got its own book adaptation. Um, and that was kind of a collaboration of Julia Quinn and Shonda Rhimes, where it seems that Julia Quinn just takes Shonda Rhimes' script and she just adds a little bit more detail to it and they spit out this book. Now, when I first saw that they were going to be doing this, my first thought was, wow, this is going to be equally as boring as the rest of them. And I'm so mad that it's not going to be as good as the rest of them. And then my second thing was like, wait, isn't Julia Quinn the same person who said literally sitting next to Beverly Jenkins, which I need to read some of Beverly Jenkins books. I'm actually, that's on my TBR right now. But she sat next to Beverly Jenkins on a romance panel and basically said that black people, she doesn't write stories about black people and um, gay people because of like the struggles that they went through during that time. Yet she could write about women who were also oppressed at that time. It was very interesting. It was very interesting because she was just like, yeah, like I don't want to write about like black people and gay people because like that just doesn't sound like a good time. It doesn't sound like a happy ever after and this is a stories about people with comfortable lives okay i mean you're writing historical fiction and it seems from what i've heard because i i i have to say that i can't base this off of me actually experiencing the book because i can't get through the book <laughs> any of them but from what i've heard the bridgerton books aren't necessarily super historically accurate in itself and so it's like well why can't you and so a lot of people are really upset and they're kind of speculating now that um julia quinn is just riding the cash wave of bridgerton and shonda rhimes work and i think it's really unfortunate because I, I honestly think that that is the reality and that's one reason why i won't actually be reading this book the other reason that it would be a miserable read but I it's hard because I want to give people room to like grow and change and things like that but at the same time I also acknowledge that I get to do what I want with my money and I get to vote with my dollar and personally I think that it would be kind of unfair to me as a reader to to engage in this work especially if this was more of like an afterthought thing i think the reason why it doesn't bother me so much in terms of like bridgerton the tv series is because shonda rhimes picked up this piece of work and actively decided um to have a certain approach to it and she decided to recreate this world with her own creativity um separate from 
like the original Bridgerton. And I think that was even discussed upon um, in a, like a lot of video, like a lot of videos and articles and interviews about this. And so I just feel like it's kind of weird now that all of a sudden, like Julia Quinn finds it in her heart to be able to write about black people. I don't know. It's a little suspect. So this is like from the original Bridgerton um, verified Netflix account on Twitter. And it says, prepare yourself for the love story that shook the monarchy. Behold the cover for Queen Charlotte, a new novel inspired by the upcoming series available in US May 9th. And someone quote tweeted, it's M in words. Do not buy this book. Julia Quinn in her own words said, she doesn't write books with black characters because she doesn't write struggle. This book is obviously a cash grab and basically monetizing off people who, in her words, can only experience struggle. And I think that's like where a lot of my problem lies is that she was so ignorant and apparently she kind of like shaded Beverly Jenkins and didn't really fully acknowledge her as a romance author in the space, um, which was super fucked up. <laughs> Um, sorry, I just read this one tweet. But another person, Neeks Bandora Batty, um, and their information is at, it's Neeks, yeah. Says, Julia Quinn, I don't think black people fit in my stories because I write happy endings only. Production. But you can make money, Quinn. Hello, Negroes. No, I will not forget what she said. What she said. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. <laughs> the fact that they decided that, hello, Negro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, for you audio listeners, um, please know that I am a black woman, not just a woman of color. I'm a full on black woman. <laughs> and this person tweeting this is also a full on black person. Um, so no worries <laughs> about that. I hope I didn't insult your ears um also another person marines my name is marines she is one of my favorite book creators i actually started watching her when i was an undergrad and i actually cited her for one of my papers i think i've talked to you guys about that before but she has always the most intelligent and critical things to say and She's one of those people who have shown me that when it comes to reading and when it comes to enjoying books, you can enjoy things and you can be critical about them at the same time. And she also gave me um, a lot of knowledge in how I approach dealing with diversity in reading and informed my advocacy as a librarian-minded individual. I'm not a librarian, but I'm a librarian-minded individual. But she quoted it and she said, from Julia Quinn, who famously sat next to Beverly Jenkins on a panel and said she doesn't write black characters because she wanted to write characters having happy endings, a cash grab featuring a black character. She says, this is why conversations about color conscious casting and adaptation of white stories need to happen because the big question at the heart of it will always be who is profiting our story. And I think that's so true because like even with Shonda Rhimes involvement, even with her view as a black woman, even if she is being uplifted in this, at the end of the day, Julia 
Quinn has more and more opportunity to make money. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I necessarily, if I'm like calling for her head or whatever. I just, I feel bothered that there was no addressing of this fact prior to releasing this book. And I don't know, maybe there wasn't, I mean, I feel like, no, okay. So I was going to say like prior to releasing this book, but I also recognize that from a PR standpoint, if she put that apology too close to the release of the book, then obviously people would see through that, right? And it wouldn't come across as genuine. But if she now did the apology after this release of the book, then it also seems extremely disingenuine. And so I think if she truly learned, if she truly listened, if she truly felt um, called to change her mind and to include people of color and gay people in her stories, then if she truly felt that way, that would have been addressed after the filming of the first Bridgerton season because that's when most of this stuff even got brought up like most people heard about her being problematic and what she said about black people and romance romantic history romantic history historical romance (laughs) that's the word like that's when people heard about everything so you would think that she would actually like take the time and I don't know address it maybe like apologize for it I don't know something right like I feel like, yeah, but then again, from a PR standpoint, it's over, it's done. The opportunity to have a, a genuine apology, I think it's over. Like, you would have had to have it after the first season. Like, coming in and being like, oh, I was wrong about the black people and about how they can also have happiness. I was very wrong about that. They're there. They're there. Here's my book, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Um, But you know, when I kind of think about it, and I don't know much about Shonda Rhimes, like I'm not, um, because I know she did like a lot of shows. I think she did, let me see. I'm actually going to look. Okay, yeah. So Shonda Rhimes is responsible for a lot of shows. So we have Scandal, we have Grey's Anatomy, we have Queen Charlotte, Inventing Anna, Seattle Grace, Private Practice, Another Scandal, Gladiator Wanted or something. I don't know what that is. Off the Map, Gilded Lilies, Grey's Anatomy, Cast, and... Oh, okay. These look like little, like, spin-off things. But, like, obviously she's been involved um, in a lot of shows. And so she's created a lot of things. And so I haven't seen all of those, but most notably to me and I think a lot of people kind of notice this as well is um Lady Danbury's story I think okay Mm, Lady Danbury's story um this is a spoiler kind of if you haven't seen it but you've probably seen photos and stuff now of like what Lady Danbury's husband looks like um He's a fucking creep and he's an old man. And Lady Danbury was, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoil alert. If you, I like legitimately, if you haven't watched Queen Charlotte yet or gotten to, you know, hear more about Lady Danbury, turn this off right now. I am 
literally stalling. I'm literally stalling so long. So by this point, if you have not turned this off, you did this to yourself, okay? (laughs) Um, But Lady Danbury's story, she was promised to this old man at the age of three. (laughs) She was promised to this old man at the age of three. She, like, never really had control of her life. She never really got to be her own person to the point where when she has another marriage proposal lined up, she doesn't take it. She doesn't take it, okay? Um, But I feel like there's a lot of arguments around like, oh, she doesn't get her happy ending and she's always doing, and Shonda Rhimes in particular, is always doing um, dark-skinned black woman dirty, like she doesn't care about black women, da-da-da-da. But to be honest, I think that Lady Danbury's story is one of the most iconic romance stories in Bridgerton. Like, I think parts of it, I feel like, kind of tapered off. But I feel like um, there's something so precious about her story. But I also like the fact that it's about her. You know, it's about her journey and her journey into being a uh, spinster. But she's a lady now. She has, like, all this control. Like, she's gained so much power. She gets to grow into being her own person. She starts wearing her own colors. She's smiling more. She's forming an identity. She doesn't have to perform sexual acts that she doesn't want to. Like, I feel like Lady Danbury's story is probably the most historically accurate um, version of a romance within Julia Quinn's universe of Bridgerton. I mean, I guess technically that's not Julia Quinn's version of Bridgerton, but honestly, like, if I think about it, like, this, this was the best one, you know? And so I don't necessarily agree with... I don't necessarily fully agree with the idea that um, Lady Danbury's story was completely awful. I know it was awful to witness and I know it was hard to watch, but in my opinion, just because it was hard to watch doesn't mean that it wasn't valuable. And I think it explains a lot of her character a lot. And I think that's also kind of like what I did enjoy about Queen Charlotte though, was the fact that like, you got insight onto these really stuffy characters. Like, you see, like, Queen Charlotte in present day of the Bridgerton timeline roasting the shit out of her kids, right? And you're like, dang, like, why is she such an unaffectionate person? But then you see, like, her backstory and how, like, how love came after duty and how very, like, straightforward she was, like, what she faced and things like that. And so all in all, I think it was a good series. Um... But yeah, like this Queen Charlotte book, heck no. I saw it in Barnes and Nobles the other day and I was like, I picked it up and I opened it. It was $30. You are not getting $30 out of me for that. Are you kidding me? $30. After you never apologized, after you said a bunch of stuff, after you basically what like okay no you're not getting oh, no 
you're not getting my $30. $30? And you have the nerve to release it in hardback? I know that technically was not your fault. That's the publishing industry's fault. It's not your fault, Julia Quinn. I won't blame you for that hardback comment. That was actually really cheap of me. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, you're not getting $30 out of me. Absolutely not. But anyway, what did you guys think about Queen Charlotte? Did you like it? How would you rank it in terms of like the Bridgerton show? Are you going to read the Queen Charlotte book? That kind of sounded judgmental by the way I said it, but I'm not being judgmental. If you decide to read it, you decide to read it. And if you don't, you don't. Um, But yeah, thank you guys for being here and being present with me. Um, If you love this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you left a rating and a review. If you're on YouTube, I would love if you left me a comment and leave the like, comment, and subscribe. Um, if you haven't already, you can follow me over at Oh That Girl Reads on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok, but I don't really post on there <laughs> at all. Um, and yeah, thank you again for being here, and it's nice to be back. Bye. So long, everyone, and thank you again for joining me today. I would love to see more of you, so feel free to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at TheGarden75th. And if you'd like to see even more book content, you can find my YouTube channel, Bria L, linked in the show notes. Remember, read what you love and DNF the rest. Bye.